podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. The main thing is you are here and you are a live audience. I'm hoping it's And does anyone usually watch the programme, listen to the podcast, any of that kind of thing? <coughs> a few. Don't look at me. And they're still turned up. <laughs> this, is the, this is the concern. Uh, thank you very much for coming. Um, yeah, it's not, uh, maybe we're live. If you we're want live, to connect to my phone? No, I'm on the I'm on the free Wi-Fi thanks to the good people at St Helens. So fingers crossed. You know, if it works, it works. If it doesn't, it doesn't, and it doesn't look like it. So that can you just record it? Yeah, that's what I'm doing. Um, that's Steve Mascot. He's got hats to. I'm not a technical genius. (laughs) What have you brought these hats hats from? Well, I wasn't going to like load the car up when I left London with jerseys and singlets and stuff. So, but I thought hats you can carry them easily. I do like so, the idea that you, you're going to undercut the World Cup by somehow just selling stuff in the back of your car. Well, no. Just, just outside the stadium boundaries, not actually... If I don't pull up at the stadium, I think, I think I'm think i okay. But also, I kind of <laughs> didn't want to leave my wife to post out orders and stuff. So, for instance, someone ordered a Cook Islands one on Amazon the other day, and I was able to just get it out of the boot and take it to the Salford post office and send it off. So, I'm trying to... Be, I'm, I don't want to lumber her with my unsuccessful business. <laughs> International marketeer, <laughs> journalist... <laughs> Podcaster, bro. Anything else? Anything you don't do? Um, I can't dance. You can when you're drunk. I've seen you. <laughs> <laughs> that shan't be tonight, Phil. I've got, uh, I've we're in a library. Got, I've got footage. <laughs> <laughs> Mike Christie from the St Helens Star. How are you? I'm not bad. It's been, been an interesting day, though. Wasn't expecting the Lee Leopards to come along. <laughs> but, uh, but, yeah. I, I, have you all seen that, by the way? The Lee, Lee Green brand. Yeah. No. And you're all suitably impressed by that. Yeah. <laughs> one, one person. That's, well, that's, Why don't we do you, hands up if you like it, and we'll tell the viewers how many people. In this, in this like Lee Leopards and such, I like the kids and things. They actually <laughs> rebranded as Lee Leopard. Yeah, yeah. yeah, it's purely based on Derek's shirt. No, Derek's favourite shirt. Exactly, Zach Hardegat changes spots. That was a joke today. One we had no hands. For the record, no one put their hand up and said they liked it. No, that one. Uh, one, okay. one oh, sorry, sorry. Okay. One of the thousand people here today. <laughs> ten, they've signed ten players as well. How, how much have we enjoyed the World Cup so far, Mike? I think it's been good. You know, uh, certainly enjoyed Newcastle. You know, um, it's a tremendous game. Uh, everybody talked Samoa up and you could see they was really underdone. And once they crumpled, they crumpled, didn't they? But there'll be more to come from them. I thought England played well. I thought... I thought St. Helens had to play well. I thought Jack, Jack Wellesby was outstanding. Uh, but I've enjoyed it all. I enjoyed the, uh, the PNG Tonga game at Hall Place. Really good. Um, proper got stuck into each other. The pre match was brilliant. And uh, I just think this is what you want, isn't it? This is, this is an event we've waited for. And we're not going to see one for a good while now, are we? So we might as well make the most of it. Jack Wellesby potentially going to the Dolphins as he was asked in the press conference after That was good. He, did, he didn't seem happy about that. Don't be depressing me. <laughs> he said he didn't need to. He's pretty much denied it, didn't he? He said he's, he's either resigning it for two years, didn't he say? Three yeah, years. Three years. Three years. Yeah. Dolphins have eyes on England international, but rebuffed by Rick Bennett's assistant. We're going to get two, three years of that, though, aren't we? Yeah. And, and, and then when he takes over the job, and then after that, and whichever <laughs> other Saints players come on the market. I think he should take it as a compliment because we've always had this. We had this in the 70s when. Phil Lowe had a good World Cup and he went to Australia. You know, it happens, doesn't it? As soon as you put yourself in that sort of global shop window, you know, people are going to throw stuff at you, you know, in terms of, we want you. 
playing the best league in the world, and that, you know that's what it is. Isn't it? Do you think that's Steve how, how he's World Cup's gone so far? Because they only saw it on Tuesday. But how, how, how do you enjoy Tonga PNG and, and Wales versus Cook Islands? Yeah, well, I mean, for, for I mean, you guys know, but probably no one else does. I, I'm actually not basing myself anywhere for the five weeks. I'm just going town to town. He's very disappointed because there's no free food for him today. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> if they put on a match, I can I can eat in the press room. But um, um, so um, for me, it's kind of like it's it's a challenge, and you know, all those logistical ways when you're on the road. Um, as far as what day you wash and, and losing things and, and planning, you know, plan, planning. So it's a lot of fun. I'm, I'm actually finding it fun because I'm doing... Um, um, I see it as a good opportunity, you know, to pump out a lot of content. So I'm doing, like, a, a, um, a vlog where I'm, like, following myself around. <laughs> I hope I don't see myself. <laughs> um, and, um, and uh, yeah, and I put the first one up last night. I was up to 2 o'clock editing it last night, the first one from Saturday. And I really enjoyed it. I just really enjoyed doing it, and it's... It's completely like I'm completely removed from everyday life. Like some people say, I've never actually lived there, but um, but uh, but I'm completely removed from everyday life. I'm just following the World Cup from uh, town to town, and I did a bit of work before the World Cup for the World Cup, and that's kind of helping to fund me give the money back to them uh, by following them around. All the money they gave me, I'm now spending back uh, to give back to them. So um, yeah, I've really enjoyed it, but it's but it's a challenge every day to find an equilibrium I don't know like when you're young you're like you're more I think you're resistant to unpredictability the older you get so um, when you know when you're younger you, you you're happy for unexpected things and problems to be tossed at you every day and then you get more sedentary and you kind of like you you, you kind of resent surprises after a while so I'm kind of trying to um, um, to just kind of hold that at bay and try to um, live like I did when I was 20 but now I'm 53. So that's, that's my World Cup. So are you, fun. Are you on TikTok? You know, I'm in a midlife no, no, no. No, we didn't have TikTok when I was... Well, I mean, now... You can, yeah, yeah I don't know. I mean, TikTok, I mean, I don't know. Maybe I need to learn it between now and the next... next. next I'll tell you what, I, I, I will learn about TikTok between now and the next time I appear on this program and I'll give you a full report on how I find it. When are we going to book next? Oh, I don't know. We're in Wigan next week, so... I mean, you're obviously, you're a far better audience than that. And they wouldn't go to Wigan, would they, people here they probably never set foot there (laughs) (laughs) I mean I did enjoy the the hot pot pie on on Tuesday it was a culinary experience at at the totally wicked thing because usually in the media we get a sandwich and a a Mars bar we still got a Mars bar that was was the good news didn't get any crisps no no crisps very disappointing when when we used to tag around with Gary Schofield we used to take at least three Mars bars till half time but isn't it right that that room at St Helens the media's been kicked out of there and there isn't a press there isn't a press room at St Helens anymore. There is none. So the World Cup has basically opened this space back up and given it back to us some, to, an, to an extent. The audience hearts bleeds that we have a nice warm room. To yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, but, no wi- but no Wi-Fi. But no all. Oh. No. oh, yeah, so don't... <laughs> yeah. Faye, how's your knee? Most important question. Good. 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 Yeah, no, it's good. I can... Well, I'm back playing now. So, yeah, I can run and I can function better than I could last time, was probably on this... Um, podcast, but yeah, it's all good. Predictable question. I'm going to ask predictable questions because <laughs> now you now you're so far removed from it. Can you look back on it yet, or is it? Yeah, yeah. It, it's just stupid. There's a moment it? of. I, mean, I, I shouldn't say this, but there's a moment where you just you just laugh at how ridiculous it was because yeah. you, you're not tackling some big prop fall or anything or no. putting through a big. You're jumping up and down celebrating. Yeah. yeah. 
Uh, yeah. But at least you won the cup and you got a medal. Yeah, that was a, well. Yeah, what did I play? Eleven minutes. Eleven minutes, like thirty-six seconds, and then I was sat in. Eleven minutes and thirty-six seconds, exactly. Yeah, I think it was. I think it was that quick, and then I was in a leg brace for what about eight months after that, and then learning to walk again. But yeah, no, in Dublin, I do laugh about it. Now, but back then, no. It was I didn't laugh when it happened. No. It makes it sound like a like evil. I mean, yeah. I, fell, I fell off a stage on Friday, so. But unfortunately, no one watched that. Um, how have you enjoyed the, the World Cup so far? Yeah, I've loved it. So we met some of the Saints girls for the England game and we went out as a squad to watch that. So that was pretty good. But I think when you're a halfback, you watch the other halfbacks and you, you watch their every movement. And I just thought Jack Wellsby was just a level above everyone else. He's literally the heartbeat of that England squad. So he was really exciting to watch. So I tell you what, on Friday in Newcastle, in front of a crowd which was... Um, what's the word I'm looking Infinitely smaller than this one. It was only in the tens rather than the thousands that it is tonight. The double figure audience, <laughs> both figures were zero. And uh, <laughs> don't shed light well, on that. I know, magic. I know. We're not live at Soapark. We, we espouse the theory that Jack Wellsby is the future Sam Tompkins, which I don't really want to compare him with, you know. Lost the audience already. <laughs> Lost the audience. Because. Sam Tompkins, great player, but fans might not like his antics, but Jack Wells be a great player and he's ruffling people's hair and stuff and winding them up. He's got a bit of the devil about him and that's, that's a good thing. Yeah, it is. And I think for someone so young, though, to play at the level he does in some games for St Helens, the grand final, the Challenge Cup, to, to keep his cool is, is pretty phenomenal. And for years to come, I hope he stays at the club and... I know people are talking, like you said, when he's on the biggest stage, people will start offering anything to, to get him there. But, yeah, for me, I think he will stay at Saints. I think he's, he's a, the real heartbeat of Saints. But, yeah, comparing him to Sam Tompkins. Um, comparing to Alex Murphy, who, of course, came through this esteemed club. And was, at 17, was very much like that. Precocious talent. Precocious. I'm not, he, he's, I'm not sure he's like... They say he's, if he went to the NRL, what position would he play? Because... Wiry, creative halves are kind of not the thing in the NRL, are they? You know, you know. I don't know. Monsters, not. Yeah, not maybe. Far up. Maybe, maybe. The interesting thing to throw the question that Mike answered about Wellsby to Faye is that if England's women come onto this major stage and are viewed by NRLW clubs, mm-hmm. who at the moment clearly are expanding and looking for yeah. new talent, do you think that any of our players will end up? Being enticed over there. Uh, so I know a few of the girls who have won Woman of Steel previously was offered. I know Georgia Roach was spoken to by a few NRL clubs when she got Woman of Steel. And, and if I was some of them England girls who were being seen by NRLW clubs, I would go at their age. There's like Leah Burke's still quite young in her early 20s, upcoming winger, and, and she wants to travel. She wants to head over to Australia, so that would be the perfect opportunity for her to to earn a living, I guess, playing for an NRLW, and it is the best league in, in the world you want to play there. That's probably everyone's goal. But, yeah, I think some of the girls will, but a lot of that England squad are coming probably towards the back end of the career, wanting a family, wanting to settle down. So maybe the younger girls, like Holly Dodd could be one, um, who could go and go and travel and spend some time playing in the NRL. So, yeah, there is opportunities what are coming around, but hopefully from the... the the media side of things after the Women's World Cup that maybe our game will step up to that notch and, and be on par with the NRLW. Were you at the Women's Super League Awards? 
No, I wasn't. Oh. I mean, that was the point is an actual star player up there, and I managed to sneak my way in. <laughs> he, he did miss one too. Um, did Ralph speak it? He did. He, he was, uh, as I said on the day, he to quote, misquote Ralph from me, he said he was very giddy to be there. Just ask his wife how giddy he gets. Not the worst thing he said that week. It's not the worst thing, no, right, yeah. no, no. Phil, how much have you enjoyed the last two days since I saw you in the World Cup? <laughs> oh, the last two days? Well, that's one day because I actually saw you on Tuesday, I was there. I just think the whole of the World Cup has lived up to expectation. Um, I don't know how you judge it, and I think we need to get away from apologising for it. So I, I wish we didn't spend too much time, even on social media, saying, oh, what are the ticket sales like? I mean, we, there was a media briefing this afternoon after the first round of games. They are expecting to sell, in total, more than 571,000 tickets, which is what the Women's Euros did. Um, they are talking about the, the tickets that have already sold for the final will set a record for receipts in the Northern Hemisphere. And that although the um, tournament is supposed to be cost-neutral, built into that is the money that they're going to give to uh, the International Federation to, to for Europe uh, for uh, international rugby league to prosper on the back of this World Cup. So, however you judge it, at the moment it's been a success. I think the you couldn't have asked much more of Newcastle. Um, it's hard to think that wasn't a week ago. Yet. It does feel like a long time ago. The thing um, is, Phil, you can't. Ex- you're right. Prime Minister ago. You, you know, you're 100 <laughs> percent correct about that, and the fact that they're you know um, already surpassed 2017, and they've already a million pounds in receipts past 2013. But, you, but when you say to start with, we're going to sell a million tickets, and then you say we're going to sell 750,000 tickets, it just has to be pointed out. It just has to be said. Oh, yeah. You know, you can't pretend that you never said that before. So even though it's a success, and I agree with you it's a success, I don't think you can expect people to forget the earlier predictions. And, you know, that's it. And, so, and some people will look at those, and, and just because they don't hit what they said they would, some people, you can't dissuade them from the idea that it... Therefore, that's failure. Oh, yeah. And you never will dissuade them from it. You know? No, I, but, I, but I think we, don't, we shouldn't be focusing on that. We should be looking at the first round of games. Mm. We've seen every nation play. Virtually every game, there's been a story. Now, the, the story for the England game was the margin with which England won. But, you know, seeing the Australians back on English soil has been fantastic. Um, you know, it's, it's what, six, six years since we saw the green and golds play over here. Um, so there's a whole generation of players that we haven't seen live and we do see more of them than we ever have on a weekly basis because we can now tune into matches on Sky. But, you know, to see Cameron Munster run out with an Australian jersey, it's, it's fantastic. Then you've got the story of the emerging nations. You know, the cheer when Jamaica kicked a penalty goal just before half-time at Headingley on Sunday was unbelievable. You know, they're, they're 18 points down and the whole of the stadium is rising up because they've got points and... The performance of Greece, the, you know, the two tries they scored, arguably as good as anything we've seen so far. And, and probably the most encouraging thing for, for those of us that, that love the sport and want it to be shown on its biggest stage is then you get social media pictures coming back from Athens of people in a bar <coughs> leaping up and down because Greece have scored a try. You know, that is spreading the footprint of rugby league. Um, clearly the way Lebanon played on, on Sunday night a lot of focus on where were all the people at Warrington not enough focus on how good were Lebanon playing against the number one ranked team in the world um, the game here on Tuesday the best game of the first round of matches so much controversy so many talking points 
And then Wales, you know, dubbed as the underdogs, took the Cook Islands to the last play of the game. So as a spectacle, um, it, it's hard not to be ridiculously excited by what we've seen. And if that's only the beginning, before the games get even more meaningful and competitive... I may well explode in the next five <laughs> The other thing is that you look at the reach that the television audience gives you, a terrestrial television audience, because we tend to live in a bubbling league at times. Mm. I think because we're on Sky, we tend to be cocooned there, don't we? When it's on BBC and you can see it. I had my mate from Murder Tidwell texting me madly last night when he was watching the Wales game. He was a rugby union fan, but he was absolutely going, I thought we were doing a hammer here, what's going on? <laughs> and it, that's the sort of reach that having it on BBC has, you know, and it, it's great. We look at, like, why don't we have the sort of uh, characters that we had in the 70s and 80s? Part of that is because we're not on grandstand. You know, the, the household names aren't there because we're on our little sky ghetto, aren't we, for a lot, by a lot of extent. And people are talking about Jack Wellsby, who would not have seen him play until mm. he marshalled that England performance on Saturday. So the more that Dom Young can score tries in the way he did, uh, mm. the more people will recognise the stars mm. that we take for granted. Mm. Just wait till the Aussie David Fafita. <laughs> what a... He's big, isn't he? He's huge. Huge man. Huge man. He was very good too. Like, oh, I guess he hadn't done much press and he'd been shielded from the press and he went to the press conference here. And, he, you know, he answered every question and it took a bit of prodding to get a long answer off him. But in the end, you know, he said he almost played in the mid-season test for Tonga and he talked about, you know, his family and, um, and, what, it, you know, and what it meant to... Uh, that's the expression... Unfortunately, here, I mean, it's that what it means is kind of like it, it, it loses its meaning because we hear it so often. So I try to avoid using that expression. But, but um, yeah, he was, you know, he, he, he was he was very good. You know, everyone's no one's been kind of prima donnaish. You know, at the um, do, doing their media and um, I, um, I spoke to a fellow last night, uh, Davy Mawali, who played, who scored an amazing try for Cook Islands. I, I counted five people he bumped off or carried out of line with him. And he's played a couple of games for Souths. And uh, he was uh, just so kind of like, um, you know, like a lot of these kids never been to England before, already whinging about the weather, even though it's <laughs> going to get a lot worse. Um, and, and just blown away by what they find themselves in the middle of. I'm told that the Cook Islands uh, rooms are like, um, they're, they're in this really nice hotel in Middlesbrough because Captain Cook is from there. And, and the rooms they're in is like, are like 500 pounds a night rooms. So if you're Davy Mawali, um, you'll never go back to like the Days Inn or the, <laughs> or the, um, you know, the local, local motel because you're suddenly staying in this place where you, know, you can't see to the other side of, of, your, of your hotel room. So they're all, I think we forget these amazing experiences that a lot of, a lot of players are having and you know, the women in wheelchair coming up are going, are going to have. And... Just got to draw those those stories out. But as I said the other day, unfortunately, as a reporter with games every day, you never get to like we talked about. Was was it a was it a shoulder charge and should Papua New Guinea have got a penalty try the other night? Unfortunately, there's another game the next day, mm-hmm. and also only some only some teams, very few teams, have travelling media. So if there's some drama like that tomorrow night, you'll be reading about it for three or four days because there's travelling media with the Aussies. All all the other teams, bar England. Basically, the media managers sending stuff back. So any controversies, like you know, there's certainly no, there's certainly no travelling media with Papua New Guinea. There was a, a fellow asked a question on behalf of the Post Courier, mm-hmm. the Port Moresby Post Courier, the other night. 
So, so there's no one to kind of fly the flag for their controversies. Whereas, uh, you know what I mean? We, we just move on to the next game. Um, and again, it's something you learn as the tournament goes on. Okay, I've got to learn to focus on that thing from two nights ago. It's still alive, that thing from two nights ago. Don't move straight on to the next day. And so I think we're all kind of learning to get into the rhythm of, of a tournament, quite apart from me deciding what day to do washing. You know, so it's really fascinating intellectually just the way it's being consumed by people, you know. Did you mind the numbers on YouTube of the press conferences from Tuesday? I should have adopted either Tonga or Papua New Guinea. Yeah, they've gone mad for it. They've gone mad. The number of YouTube comments. Yeah. As you imagine, we don't get millions of views of all our videos, but these have gone gangbusters in Australia. It's mad. Yeah, yeah. The um, Tonga is just Tonga is amazing. Um, the, you know, just I, I, you know, the last World Cup, I was posting press conferences on YouTube, and I've been trying. I've been doing it a little different this time. I've been putting them up for patrons first, and then up for everyone else a couple of days later. But um, but our our I can't tell you the actual numbers or the figures, but. The response we got to the warm-up game, which I was involved in organising, it was on a platform called Recast. I've got Recast every morning sending me things. Yeah, I've got Recast sending me things every every day now going, they, they're a start-up and they were so thrilled with the numbers. They're like, what can we get on next? Can you put the press conference up? They're just blown away by the interest in Tonga. So uh, I don't think that's been properly leveraged yet. I mean, they don't think they've got a website yet. Um, Have they got a Twitter feed, Tonga? Is it Samoa's, no, it's Tonga's Twitter feed. I can't it's old. Tonga's Twitter... Yeah, I don't know if they've got an active one. I think they've got very good... Um, they've got a really good social media guy travelling with them. Like, he does, like, amazing state-of-the-art videos and stuff. Um, but I, but a lot of the younger kids working in social media now, they Twitter's old hat. It's for people like us. Mm. So they don't really... They don't bother getting on Twitter. Like, they don't bother... The team... Don't bother getting on Twitter. Does that get on TikTok, you see? Yeah, yeah, That's yeah. That's probably last year's thing. There's something new that the young people know. I'm going to say, Faye, what, what, what do the young people do? What do you get? What do you want, Faye? Just Twitter. Oh, right, there you go. Yeah. I'm not cool enough to be on TikTok. My students use that. I'm like... Insta? Instagram? Yeah, I'm on Instagram. Yeah. Yeah. How often do you post on Instagram? Once yeah. a week? Not a lot. Yeah. yeah. Not that cool. Facebook? Yeah, I use Facebook. But, no, yeah. The Tongans and the Papua New Guineans don't use Facebook to find our videos. But they do find them on YouTube. But, uh, but you talk about Papua New Guinea and you look how far they've come. They played their first ever game in, in British soil against the St. Helens Amateurs 43 years ago. The St. Helens Amateurs won. Uh, and you look at them now, they're, they're, world, you know, they're up there with the top five, six, seven nations, aren't they? And that probably gives hope to all them other nations that people see. Why are they in the World Cup? You look at that sort of how that can ripple through, you know, through the world, really. Well, I didn't realise one of my... F- the, 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 the great stat I didn't know, which I only learned last night, is that Wales haven't won a World Cup game in 22 years. Mm-hmm. And their last win was at Witness against Papua New Guinea in 2000. So, and last night they went so so close. But, but you know, the thing with Papua New Guinea is, and as a coach um, of Fiji said, is that there's a difference between players who are, um, who are born there and the, the issues that those coaches have and the players who've been in NRL or Super League systems for longer, the players who were born there tend to be... Um, um, got a lot of natural talent, but they don't know when to pull the trigger. Whereas the players who've, so, who've been born there sometimes need to be... Sorry, who've been in the NRL system need to be encouraged to pull the trigger and show their flair. So, you know, if you're Matt, if you're Matt Parrish and, and Christian Wolfe, you've got a very different problem to Stanley Tepp and, and Wise Catavarado. It's very interesting. I think... Oh, who's this? <laughs> is it, is it former Wakefield Trinity prop forward Kyle Lane? Oh, 
I think we stuck you on the end. Right, no apologies, young. So running that late to traffic, it's not great, is it? No, West Yorkshire's terrible. It's yeah. terrible. Just terrible place. You know, the right side of the Let's let's jump straight into it then, Carl. How much have, how much have we enjoyed the World Cup so far? Oh, loving it, mate. You know, it's been it's been awesome, and I think it all kicked off with that you know that, that England game up at Newcastle. Look, I don't think anyone saw that result coming. Um, you know, I was over an hour and all the way up. I was doing the radio. Uh, for five live and I, I couldn't I couldn't make my mind up which way it was going to go and you know I, I'll shamefully admit that I thought Samoa would just pip them you know I, that's what I kept bringing back to but you know what a what a performance it was from them wasn't it you know and, and just the way they they completely dismantled them in that second half was incredible to watch and I think it's probably been the best thing for the for the game over here you know for for the rest of the World Cup as well to. To, it was so important to get off to that good start, and uh, you know, hopefully that will be a reflection come come Saturday at the uh, at the Bolton Stadium when it should be pretty much sold out, I'm led to believe. So, uh, you know, and that's that, that that's all down to the players what they did. You know, it's it's um, you know, we all knew that this tournament was going to have more eyes on it than ever before, but you know, for for the English as well, uh, and uh, for them to to kick off like that, yeah, it's uh, it's incredible. So well done to them. I'll let you settle in because I was about to ask Mike about Christian Wolf, and then I realised, well, Kyle Emmo's in now as well. You might know him a bit more, but you obviously you, you've spoken to him every week for the last few years. Mm-hmm. What makes him such a special coach, both for St Helens and, and for Tonga as well? I don't know. He seems to get get stuff out of out of players, and he seems to get that sort of collective buy-in from everybody. You know that you know he's he's pretty bloody honest as well. Put it this way, I wouldn't want to fight him. <laughs> he's, uh, he's pretty direct isn't can you he? list every super coach in order of who you would like to fight do you know what I did this once and, <laughs> and there wasn't anybody because <laughs> even the little guys you know if you think of all our coaches they're, uh, you've got to be pretty pumped guys he's a classic player again doesn't matter how big you are isn't it? but now he's, uh, he's pretty uh, I've always uh, you know the dealings with him is pretty straight up um, uh, I've had coaches who've been too honest who tell you too much to the detriment of the team and I've had coaches who just basically tell you nothing really you, you know you, I won't name them but there's coaches where you can't actually get a page you can get five pages a week out of Wolfie you know? It's that point in the season where I'm certainly covering Wakefield where you know by the end of the season there's nothing going on and you go to the press conference pretty much you think I haven't got a clue what I'm going to ask this week because there's nothing left. <laughs> there's never nothing going on, though, is there? If, if you get to a point where there's nothing going on, you, there's always stuff in there, apart from, I don't know, last week of December. I was saying, how tend to be up there winning things, you see? There's always something to look forward to. Well, it's, it's all right, it's in St. Helens, though, because we get to December and we've got the darts, haven't we? We've got three world class darts, so we're never short stuff, are we? Well, I think on that, even if they don't win something, there's a story there mm. as well, isn't it? So you're right, at your top clubs, there's always, there's always something going on, for sure. Well, we get more coverage, we get more soft traction with readers when we're doing Portland because you're different <laughs> from the club. You know, when you're winning, you're no different from the club feed, really. You know, in a way, apart from how you write it. Mm. You know, certainly when you're losing, you, you, you can actually differentiate it yourself. Don't fight Lee Radford. <laughs> yeah. So is Lee Radford. Tonga did that in the world. But I'd, I'd, you'd fancy you arm wrestling Tony Smith. Rowan Smith? Rowan Smith, yeah. Which coaches would fight unfair? Which would bite and That have been at sense. No, no, well, you can answer that if you like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know, I bet Royce was a bit crafty. <laughs> He'd buy you a beer afterwards. He though, did. I actually was talking to Mike um, after a game about 
was saying how the, the, the kind of the days of the rounds person are almost over now where the, the media, you know, they have kids, they come in, they get spat out, they go and do uh, something else. And the, the system really discourages you mm. now from staying at the job into, should I say middle age or is that, is that offensive? No, I'm, I'm telling you, I'm, I'm, I'm going to be officially late 50s next week. So oh, right. Next month, so. <laughs> All right, that's second. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. the system now doesn't really, there's a lot of reasons to get out and there's not many reasons to stay. And, and Mike said to me, he goes, he goes we just do it because we like it. We, we want to do it, you know, and I, oh, that really stuck. It sounds like a really simple thing to say, but it really sort of stuck in my head when he said that to me, you know, because, um, you know, that when I was coming through, every, all the local papers, you know, they they all had someone, you know, about about our age who'd been around the team for years and years, and that's increasingly rare now because, you know, the, you know, you you're expected to do so much that just leaving the office is uh, is a, is a rarity and mm. is considered you made to feel like you're you're having a jolly if you leave the office and go to a training session or a press conference because yeah. there's so much to, to churn out and um, and obviously there's a, a protecting the brand and you get you get now kind of blackballed if you write something they don't like and they get away with doing that um, so it, it's hard to stick around so I, I, got, I, I certainly um, got a lot of admiration for Mike because he, he you know he stuck around he's covering one of the best teams in the world and I'm sure it's not easy you know. It's worst jobs. <laughs> it's worst jobs. It is. It's a great job. It is a great job. Yeah. So if I didn't ask Kyle now, would he fight Christian Wolf with you? <laughs> would you think that's not? I, I've missed my duty as a follow-up question. I think it's a very fair question. I'd love to know the answer. Well, we've wrestled a few times, so he's not the heaviest bloke. That's all. So, so, but no, look, he's 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 been brought up cage fighting and bloody, you know. Um, <laughs> All, all that mad stuff he used to use a boxer, wasn't he, when he was young, Afro Savage, I'm led to believe his, his fighting name was, and he's told us stories about how he's, uh, you know, no, no, no. Yeah, Afro Savage, you can Google it, you can see him, and we all had a laugh about that, I'm sure, in a few years back, but anyways, no, look, he's, uh, yeah, look, he's a, he's a he, he likes the competitive side of it, doesn't he, you know, and he, and he instills that in his, in his team, so, um, yeah, look, he's... He's obviously a handy bloke, isn't he? Do you know what I mean? But um, we're all grown men, aren't we? So. What, what's he like to play under? He's intense, you know. I think, um, and I think that's, I think that's the key to winning all those trophies. Has been that he doesn't, he doesn't have a day off, and um, he, the demands that he puts on the players in the playing group, you know, they have to be met every day, and you know that. That takes some doing. It does. It it, it it sometimes it sometimes can bother the lads a couple of times. You know, just mentally having to be at that level all the time. I think that's one thing in sport we perhaps look over the the fact that what this side has done. You know, it's going to be pretty damn hard to replicate again because it's the it's the consistent level of and not only that you have to look through their the number of losses that they've had in that as well is is phenomenal really. You know, there hasn't been a a year where you know, a lot of the top sides have lost a lot of games, and this side's rarely. I think Wolf's record was he'd only lost twenty percent of his games, or so or twenty out of. It's madness, really, isn't it? You know, but that that, that comes about through a through an everyday belief of what you're doing and, and a drive and never losing sight of a goal. And uh, don't get me wrong, he's been hugely helped by the, the the team and the players there and the. And I'm a big believer that Justin Albrook's got a lot to say in how that team, you know, ended up doing what it did. Uh, but you know, he, he kind of, 
you know, revitalised not only the club, but I think he revitalised the town, that connection between the two, I think, which was massive. And, um, you know, he got the boys in a, in a good frame of mind again and enjoying the rugby. And, you know, we've got to an age now and a stage where, you know, sports science has took us so far, strength and conditioning has took us so far. I genuinely believe now the best teams have what's in between the years. You know, if you put every single player at the start of the year onto a rugby league field and you've done a fitness test with them, a bleed test, I think pretty much everybody would sort of, you'd find a common theme of where the drop-off points were. Obviously, you'd have, you always get the, I nearly had a choice with my words there, you always get the, uh, the perhaps not as fit players and, and who, who would drop it, you'd get that anyway, but... I genuinely think now that, that we've, you know, with the amount of staff and coaches and, and things that they have in place, it's it's massively between the ears. But that needs managed, and it needs facilitated and run every single day. And when you have a guy like Christian Wolf, then you know it's certainly you can understand why it worked for as long as it's worked. You know, um, and you know the beauty of it is that that group's got to go and try and do it all again. So. Pay attention to stupid question for me, Danny, because I remember after the 2019 Grand Final, obviously you were in the mix zone and you were emotional because you won, mm. but you, was, you said that you know, St Helens, like, you hadn't got the credit they deserved because a lot of people were focusing on London at the bottom and their achievements in still being relegated yep. despite winning so many games. Do you think now, four Grand Final wins in a row, this St Helens team are getting the credit they do deserve? I think so, yeah. I think everybody recognises now that they've, they've dominated a period, a period in their in their era, if you like, their generation. Um, and what I meant by that was that we get obsessed in sport, don't we? We try to find a story all the time. Uh, a little bit with the, the Rhinos there, you know, they were 11th at one point, they were almost pinching themselves really that they were in that grand final, if we're brutally honest. Um, and, you, you know, they, they, they never really, in, even within that game, you always felt that Saints were comfortable in it, I felt. Yes, they scored that try before half-time, but other than that, there's a sheer weight of possession and dominance. There was only ever really going to be one winner. But I think we sometimes look and celebrate like that, that almost, we want to fall in love with that. A bit like what Mike said, it's boring, isn't it? When a team just <laughs> continually wins, it's boring. And we all naturally want to see, you know, we, we do it all in our own lives. When people achieve stuff, we get a little bit, a little bit jealous or a little bit envious and we don't, we, you know, we want to see them fail at, at some point. You know, I think back to, Obviously, when Andy Joshua was, was was on the rise, you know everybody was cheering for him. But when it got to that point, everyone wanted to see him get knocked out, didn't they? And it's the same in it's the same in rugby league. So that's what I meant by that. I just meant that we got caught up in in London and how well Salford had done. And, and yes, it is a good story, but I just think that in sport, and particularly in British sport, we we seem to lose sight of, of excellence, which has now gone on to be proven, in my opinion, that side that's just won that final as greatness, you know. And, and little did I know back then that it was going to end up being that. But you know, we that year we'd beat a, a record that had stood for 124 years, I'm led to believe. You know, winning the, the the top of the league by the most points, and 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 what we did in that year was incredible. We we, we were literally blowing teams away by half time, and the game was done. Um, and I just felt that it never really got the, the credit it deserved. But that was only my opinion. One of the great challenges is commentating on a game where a team is going to win easily. Uh, Faye, I've done this win. St Helens won at Wakefield, I think, 60-odd nil a couple of years ago. Where do you see the women's team at the minute? Obviously, grand final winners two years ago, but this year just, just seemed to fade away at the end of the season. Yeah, we had a little bit of a blip. I think it was like midway in the season. I don't, 
maybe a bit too complacent. We obviously come off the back of winning the treble and we started pre-season later compared to the year before. We'd gone in in like November, even though the league had only finished in the October. But this year we started back in the January. I think girls needed a bit of a break. The, the England calendar was very intense from that um, October finishing up till January. They were training every Saturday, like nine till five down at Wheatwood. So the girls needed a break and we started really strong and then obviously won the Challenge Cup, which was pretty mega, um, which was kind of a tough day because the women had won and then the, the men got knocked out. So it was a bit like, do we actually, what do we do? We didn't really know how to feel that day. But yeah, so, so we started really strong and then we just had a bit of a blip, picked up like quite a few injuries, little niggles. And then we just, we, we started performing pretty well towards the back end, but just leads, it's... There's always been it's that always same lead. It is, and it's been like that since the Super League started in what 2018. It's always been Leeds. They just there's just something about them, but they they never die off. They'll play to the bitter end, and unfortunately, they just got the better of us in the semi final. We obviously lost Jodie that game. She had picked up a niggle in the the quarters, I think, and she just she wasn't ready to play, and it was touch and go whether she'd make the World Cup as well. So. She's a massive loss, isn't she? She can play, well, 1-13, to 13, can't she? So she's every team needs one of her. But, yeah, she was a huge loss, I think. Sometimes when our half-back struggle, Jodie really steps up as that third half-back, and I think we just really needed that um, in that semi-final. But, yeah, and then Leeds go on to win it. I'll upset you all by not mentioning them now, but it is a great rivalry between yourself and Leeds, and I always think it's one of those things where when we look back in 10, 15 years' time, wherever Women's Rugby League has gone at that point, it's going to be the thing that underpins these early days of the, the Women's Super because it is such a great rivalry between two recognisable clubs. Yeah, I think playing Wigan's always a derby. I think any Saints-Wigan derby, there's just a different feel about it. But with Leeds, I think that first year in the Super League, they, they beat us every single semi-final and it was just tough to take. And then the second year when we won everything, we had a COVID year, didn't we, where we didn't play, unfortunately. And then... We took everything that next year, but I love playing against Leeds. I love going to Headingley. I think how Leeds treat the women, they set up their, their class as performance athletes, so they get access to the Leeds doctor there, they get all the top S&C conditioning. The, the way they treat the women is just phenomenal, and I think a lot of clubs need to look at that and take that approach. Uh, I don't think there's any money what exchange hands at Leeds, but they've just... They just do there things well. They just do things really well, but playing against Leeds for me, it's just going to Headingley. I think is always pretty special. I played an England game there, so that was pretty special. But yeah, I don't know what it is for Leeds. So hopefully, well, I think Courtney Winfield Hill is going back home next year, maybe for twelve months. I know a, a wife has just signed at uh, Melbourne. Is it? The cricket team. She's somewhere in the big. Yeah, she's she's quite she's quite big, isn't she? With cricket, so I think she's going to take a bit of a year out from here. Maybe she'll be one who goes NRLW because why not? She might as well keep playing. She's on form, isn't she? So she ever she ever run for the Roosters? Yeah, in the nines. Yeah, she did, and so maybe I don't know if Leeds are going to bring through a halfback or they stick with Kudjo. So that might be a huge loss for for Leeds next year. But yeah, we've we've got our our hopes set on three trophies again. Representing England. Uh, what does that mean to you? Oh, it's really hard to explain. I always, I always think about it, and I just think there's no real word to. I don't. Maybe if you ask me in ten years' time, I'll be able to 
to see it, but I see myself going back into that squad once I'm fully fit and pushing to get that selection again. And I don't know, when I walk down the stairs in my house, there's like my England shirt and my nine shirt when we went over to, to Australia and then my Saints shirt. So it's, it is quite special looking at your cap. And But I don't know, you just you do it to make... I never talk about sacrifices because I think it's it's a choice. It was a choice of mine to to, to play at and push at that level and it were my family's choice to keep travelling around the country but they just come along for the ride so yeah to, to give back to them and, and to have the shirts uh, I hope that one day my, my niece is four now and she loves Amy Arcastle's Amy Arcastle's like God to me and so I think in ten years time if she turns around and says like that's my auntie she's played for England I think that that will mean everything it's a, it's a daft question but I, I was I interviewed three of well the three women who were going to the Hall of Fame yesterday and that's great up as a podcast late this week and it's, it's a question I have to ask because I never got anywhere near representing my country. <laughs> so I've got no idea how it feels, but it, it obviously is a, a special achievement that only a few people have done. You mentioned Amy Hardcastle. She was actually mentioned by those Hall of Famers as a player they would love to have played alongside. I think she was the difference between Saints pre-winning things and not winning things and winning stuff now. How good is she? Because she looks like an absolute scary oh. prospect on the field. She She is like... She is just the the athlete everyone wants to be like what she puts into it she come from working in the NHS she obviously works with rugby curse now and she's a mum she's running a household she just and she trains like unbelievable you watch her at Saints and you're just like wow but looking back to the women going into the Hall of Fame when I was 14 I think I got Northwest Player of the Year and Lisa McIntosh gave me my trophy and I looked at her and I was like oh my lord she is massive I would not want her running at me like looking back at it and I think that's with Amy but the one thing about Amy I think off the field she's just the nicest down to earth person but on the field when I used to play against her when it was Thatterweave versus Bradford or Lancashire Yorkshire I just used to think please don't come out with that, that hand off because she doesn't expect like it's coming and then the next thing it's hit you in her face but she's just an athlete and I think I really hope she has a really strong World Cup. I think she's built, been building now. It's been five years, hasn't it? Because it should have been last year. So people do put the, the lives on hold for that because them girls are wanting to start families. And she's just she's just a phenomenal athlete who the girls coming through, like I think for me, Holly Dodd will be that next Amy Castle if you're looking at the shape and the size she's put on at the minute and the muscle. And she's going to be that next Amy Castle for me. But Amy is just... I don't know if she'll ever retire. She, she was counting down the years to the next World Cup the other day, so I was a bit like, is she ever going to retire or is she just going to be able to keep playing? I interviewed her once I was intimidated. Yeah. But that's no surprise. Um, imagine playing for your country, but Kyle, representing Cumbria not too long ago. What, yeah. what was that the next, what, how was that as an experience? Unbelievable. You know, that's, uh, that's something that I'm, that I'm real passionate about. Uh, yeah, probably haven't got enough time to go down the whole rabbit hole of Cumbria Rugby League and for me it should be there should be something in place ready to go for Super League because you know there's no doubt there's an enormous amount of talent up there you know there, there's so many different reasons why at the minute it can't and will and won't work but I certainly think that that with the changes that are coming in the game and, and just the way the world is in a financial crisis that we are I think it's only a matter of time before Whitehaven and Working have to merge together. I think uh, you know it, it's either adapt or die. I'm, I really do think that that will come at some stage, and when it does, there's probably only me that's going to be happy about that because <laughs> I genuinely think that could kickstart off something. And Marlon Kukes. Uh, 
and Marwan and Kukash, yeah. <laughs> and, you know, that's another rabbit hole we can go down. <laughs> but, um, no, look, all, all joking aside, that, you know, look, it's important that clubs have history and tradition and we get that. And, you know, again, Mike will be able to tell you about the uproar when probably moving from Knowsley Road to, 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 to where, they, where, they, where they play now. But, you know, things have to change, don't they? They just do, you know, and, and, and that's something that, the thing that encourages me, and it was only put together about three and a half weeks ago, and, and the way I described it to people down here, it was like being in Papua New Guinea again. You know, after the game, everyone's flooding the field, and you know they were just so happy to have pictures and selfies with with all the Cumbrian team, all Jamaican team. You know, there was Jamaican born and bred players come over who were in that team. They'd never even heard of them, and they were, they were, they were just happy to happy to be at, at the game and stuff. So. You know, I do think there's. You think of the amount of times that you know, when I go home, there's, there's. You walk around the streets and everyone's in, you know, saying Squiggan, Leeds, NRL gear, their own amateur club. They are very tribal about their own amateur clubs. But perhaps there's been a disconnect with the towns and 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 you know, you look at their gates and they're not they're not great figures. They're you know maybe 800 average a game. But whenever a top flight game comes to town and, you know, Cumbria v Jamaica, a lot of people could argue with only two of the super... Because it was so late thrown together, there wasn't really... A lot of the lads had gone away on holiday or they'd had operations booked in or, or whatever. Uh, there wasn't really a great depth of... There was only myself and Brad Singleton who, who could come and play. But, uh, you know, put together with a Jamaican side that was... Again, I don't, it only hits two Super League contingent there and, and the rest Championship and League One and... And and for them to turn out like they did was was incredible. And you go you go back again to you know when we played up at White, a fantastic day, wasn't it? You know they called everybody loved it all in good spirit. Um, you know again you go further back. You know when Scotland played New Zealand that night, and and so the appetite for what I'm trying to say is it's there. So you know if you can attract six thousand and 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 five thousand at games, it's a lot more than some Super League clubs are getting at the moment, isn't it? But you know, it just it needs people far more clever than me to put their heads together and, and come up with something. But I do believe the first big obstacle is that merger, and I think it has to happen, and I believe it will happen. It's just a case of when. Well, does, it, does it have to happen, though? Could I you not have does, an yeah. overarching Cumbrian team with Category one license. Workington yeah. and Whitehaven with feeder clubs nah, to I, maintain I, I, that? I don't, I don't think so. Would I, the I younger generation follow up? Uh, Cumbrian Super League team. One hundred percent. They're getting the dads to drive them down to watch Wigan. So, so could you not keep the original two as the props for it? Well, I, I, I don't know. I, I don't know if that if that would be sustainable. Do you know, I think the first thing for me is if if they're going to merge and 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 you know we're, we're heading into a, an era now of licensing again that's going to be independently by you know IMG and not not Super League like it was last time. That they can, they've got time now to put a plan together and whether that's a stadium and whether it's what they're doing. In Australia, where they play half the home games in Working and half the home games in Whitehaven, just so you know, you do the quick maths. You know, if you're only getting 800 for say 10 games a year, that's 8,000 through your gate. You bring Leeds or Saints, and you've you smashed your gate already, and you've still got all the other home fixtures. Do you know what I'm saying? So, uh, the, there is ways and means around it, but it just has to it has to be well thought through, and it has to be a long term thing. Nothing's a quick fix in rugby league because. The amount of times that has happened, we've seen how very quickly it's when something's too good to be true, it genuinely is in our game, isn't it? and that's not being negative, that's just what history has told us. So it has to be well thought through and it has to be planned and, and it has to be executed properly. But uh, I do, to answer your question, I really believe that you know that, that, that there is something up there and, and for me to captain that side once again, 
it was 11 years since the last time I captained them and to do it again and yeah he was incredibly proud and you know I had all my mates my family and that in the crowd and yeah just just special I, I, I played in the amateur game till I was 20 year old up there so I've kind of been through each level now and, and you know it, it's I think that's that, that's something that probably helps in my favour up there that, that you know that there's, there's lads still at 18, 19 year old who haven't been picked up and kind of showing them that there is there is a way you know it's just it's tough and it's the odds are against you but it, it can be done I don't know, don't, don't, don't mention Origin or County Championships or don't, don't, don't IMG to bring that back it is interesting though because Balmain and West and St George and Illawarra they do compete at a, at a lower tier and basically what IMG are looking to do is pull up the drawbridge so that you can't go up to Super League from the lower from, from Championship or League One and so, therefore, surely it is possible to have, you know, the two teams, if there's enough finance, um, competing competing in the lower tiers at the same time. And suddenly, I've been saying it about London, London loses all its good players. But if, if London were competing in more than one division, that would be hard, you know, and they, there was, there's economies of scale with using the same facilities, um, then they can hold on to players better. I just think we've got to be realistic, though, where we are as a sport. I don't think there's, you know, there's not this well of cash is that you know mm. it's a hand to mouth game let's be honest mm. so I think to to, to to go from successfully running two sides then to ask three mm. it's not achievable ever. maybe one of the one of those brands survives in a lower division one doesn't you know I, I don't know Do, does Barrow come into the equation because they seem to be very very progressive yeah, I don't they, know the South Cumbria but yeah no I, I just think that, that logistically Geographically as well, it just doesn't work, does it? I think it's like asking Saints to merge with Leeds. That's the equivalent of it. It's just not going to happen. In fact, it's, quicker. it's quicker to get from from Barrow to Wigan than it is from Barrow to Whitehaven. So it just it just doesn't make sense for me. It has to be a West Cumbrian franchise, and perhaps Barrow could be that team, like you mentioned, that operates at Cumbria. Whether that how, how that music goes down to them I don't know but you know because they are striving to, to towards Super League that's what they're saying but generally when one of the Cumbrian Super League sides does well the other two really struggle and it kind of goes round in cycles and, and it'll do that again you know if we don't change it may be Barrow and end up going to a place where they can't you know they can't see the they can't see a way out of it and then some money gets pulled out and then Whitehaven will come good again and, and it'll just keep going round like that they're all fishing out the same pond as well, if you, you know, talent-wise. They're all, and I, and I was speaking to um, Chris Thorman before, before he got sacked, that, you know, right at the end, a lot of these teams have already done their recruitment because they know they're in the championship, where the, a lot of the, the guys in relegation or the guys looking for promotion, their net's really, really small, isn't it? Because they can only go and, you know, you ain't going to go and sign a contract where you might be playing championship or you might not, you know. Mm. So they miss out on an awful lot of players, and then when they do get that, you know, that that green light that they're in the championship, well, they're all sort of competing over the same sort of local amateurs as well. So it's it's very difficult. It's very it's very messy as well. But I think it can be sorted out, and I, I, I genuinely believe that it will. And some people will call me a bit mad for thinking that, but I do think it will happen. See, Barrow and Carlisle merged. Did they? Yeah. Same as Hull and Newcastle. And for those reasons, it's already shown that it doesn't work. You know. I suppose Workington and Whitehead, they're two equal partners, aren't they? As long as one's not gobbling, the other one will 
you've got. Well, interestingly, I was I was at the game and uh, obviously and uh, <laughs> and afterwards we were doing a the hospitality thing and it was the first time that I'd heard the board of Workington actually admit that a merger is something that's on the cards. They actually told the room, they called it the dreaded M-word, but they said that that is something that could realistically happen. So they're admitting it now. What was the reaction in the room? Nothing. Mm. They'd all just watched the... Uh, they'd, all they'd, all just, they'd all fainted. They'd, <laughs> all, just, they'd all just watched the Cumbria. Look, I, I don't believe that... that I don't uh, this, this whole thing about the, the rivalry, that, that there's not... Again, there's only 800 people going. How many people are you really annoying? <laughs> do, do, do you know what I mean? You're annoying 800 people, but to then see a pitching version with three and a half thousand kids on the field all smiling, where's, where's the win there? I know where it is. But we're going to the Springfield Borough. Why did why did why did anyone think Springfield Borough would be a success? What about Rochdale changing it? Was Rochdale changing name to Manchester? Right to Manchester. Yeah. And again, you're annoying 800 people, but they still didn't have the nerve to do it. Well, <laughs> fortune favours the brave, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah. Are you, already, are you pleased to tell you've already touched on the Lee Leppens? It's great, isn't it? Well, we want to hear your opinion, though. Oh, I've, I've spoken to fill in the car on the way over. And <laughs> Disbelief? I've, yeah, I think it's awful. It's an awful day. Derek could be banning you now. Oh, you know, well, yeah, whatever. But <laughs> it's uh, from going from Centurion, like, that's a, it's a. That's got a bit of beef behind it. It's got identity, hasn't it, as well? And I don't know. It just, I, I don't know where. Yeah. It's very Americanised, isn't it? Saint Stubbs the bullet, didn't it? By having a, a, a recognisable nickname already, com- uh, with the town name, that they didn't have to have some kind of daft thing after it. They still could have done one if they were wanted to. What would it have been? Salamanders. I wonder if that's been <laughs> any advice from IMG or anything like that. I wonder if they've been advised by anyone. Well, now everyone's trying to rebrand themselves, so w- so it means we're worthy of a Category One license because we're not what we used to be, you know. But it's just changing a name, isn't it? It's just. Moving the deck chairs on the yeah. I, I think it's interesting that Halifax have got a new board and they've there's been going some back to Blue Sox. <laughs> it's interesting that London are clearly working harder to have a, a, a better organisation behind the team and, and are going to try and make a go of Wimbledon as a venue. So I, th- I think they are lo- certain clubs, you know, York have changed their identity. I get that though with London and York because the, you know the big cities and they've got an awful lot of people to try to connect with. But with Lee, it's 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 a little town. I don't even think it's got a train station, has it? It's not. So like, it's just yeah, I don't know why I'd mentioned that. Because you have to mention it when you talk about Lee. <laughs> but but what I'm saying is, it, it's so certainly has no leopards. Well, exactly. <laughs> it's so small that I think I I personally think that the people of Lee will be insulted by the fact that that name's been took off. I think so. I haven't I haven't seen any reaction or read anything like, but. I think it's uh, maybe you make them realise how the degree to which they're at the mercy of an individual, and that you know, and it actually maybe they don't notice when the money uh, comes and then it goes, then it comes, then it goes. Mm. But now they'll notice now because yeah. they just change the name on a whim. But look, for what whatever we think about Derek Ballman, he's he's assembling a pretty decent side there, isn't he? You know, I think that side's much more prepared and equipped. For this tilted Super League than, than it's ever been before. I thought you were going to say them Wakefield and he was going to cry. Well, <laughs> I, I, you know, you, from if we're going to throw throw it out there, I think Wakefield could be really nervous about next year. We're getting a new stand though, so you know that's that's, that's a problem. Although we've said this about Wakefield for twenty years, haven't we? Well, just, no, they just no, like cockroaches. Wakefield yeah. Trinity cockroaches. Aren't yeah, they? but it's uh, <laughs> but what but, but Lee they've. they've mm. 
they went, they've, they've smartly done that, haven't they? They've changed the name and said, right, here's ten players, get over it. Mm. You know, I think again going into Super League for is it what the third time mm. and the two previous um, attempts were with the greatest respect to the players that played for them disastrous yep. um, maybe they're saying not only have we got a new team but it's a different league to the one that's been up before so take us seriously maybe, maybe. it could be that but he certainly put his you know, his money where his mouth is as well isn't he and for that you have to applaud in our game You know, if someone's willing to spend their own money and try and Grow a club and a, you know, enhance a competition. Then we can't be all sitting here thinking what we think about Derry Bournemouth because for me he's he's obviously done a he's done a fantastic job and he's he's very 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 heavily invested in Lee. There's no doubt about that, is there? He loves that club. When he said he might be banned, I think he might have started to worry. Man. So, <laughs> uh, yeah. They might ban me for next year. Yeah, yeah. what are we doing to get in the cup? That's how we're going to get anybody you're a witness and then what are you winning? Witness, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, oh, next. oh, sorry, Lee, I've been promoted. I've forgotten already. Never seen a Leopard in Leeds. Never seen a Rhino in Leeds. A wolf Don't even talk about Cougars and Keats. Derek Bowman actually wears a top, which actually does have that. Yeah, I think that's what he's planning on merchandising now. <laughs> what does Eamon McMahon Man- wear? Just suits and ties. Yeah. Mel B wore Leopard Print as well. She's a Leeds fan. <laughs> Just saying. Should we get back to the World Cup? Or? Sorry. <laughs> is, is, is there a Leopards International Rugby League team named the Leopards? Nigeria. It's France, wasn't it? Nigeria. Was there a French team? Oh, Villeneuve, France. Villeneuve, yeah. Villeneuve, you know, there's, there's... Actually, there's... I remember there was actually an argument about Leopards because one of the South American teams told the other South American team, you can't call yourself Leopards because we're already called Leopards. I think... I think there was actually a bit of a oh. bitch, a bitch fight over the name. So, don't worry, North Leeds Leopards will be suing Derek Beaumont later this week. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, there is. There's definitely some. Le- there are leopards. There are leopards. There's also the non-existent Afghanistan snow leopards. You can buy some merch, but they don't actually exist. Our badge is better. Look at that. Nicaragua, like Nicaragua or Peru or something like that are called leopards. And there's two, and they don't like each other. They're not in the World Cup. No. But Brazil are. Yes. Uh, the Women's World Amazonas. Cup. Amazonas. Yeah, the, the Women's World Cup. Well, the Brazil has that. The Women's World Cup is coming. But who's going to win? I just think the way the NRLW is, the way the majority of the girls are professional athletes now, they get to train at the clubs, what, five, six times a week. I just think... They're the number one team in the world for a reason. They triumphed in, in the 2017. They were phenomenal. <coughs> Again in 2013, I just think, if you look at it, the odds are with Australia. I think there might be a few surprises. Papua New Guinea were, were outstanding last time. We faced them over the as England. They beat us in the, the final test, which was shown on the BBC. So I think you can't write off Papua New Guinea either. A few of the girls are playing in the NRLW as well. So What about the Ferns? Are they, they're obviously second favourites, are they? But, I mean, how far behind are they, do you think, the Aussies? Well, I think a lot of the Ferns play in the NRLW. Yeah, yeah. So you've got Racy McGregor. She's just woman Delhi M. So mm. she, she is a phenomenal halfback. So she's over at the Ferns. I don't think they're actually too far. Because they won, they won the nines, yeah, didn't they? They yeah, won the yeah. nines, yeah. You've got Roxy Murdoch, who obviously went back home with Ben, and then she's been selected now for Kiwi Ferns. She trained with England for, I think it was two years, while she was over here, and... For her to be selected there, I was speaking to her the other day and she's just like, I can't wait to get back over and, and play for the Kiwi. So I don't think they're too too far behind. They're just drawn in the same 
um, yeah. pool, aren't they? So they're in, in Group B, but you expect both of them to qualify. Because my recollection is that New Zealand Rugby League embraced women's rugby league right from the beginning, and in Australia it was kept at arm's length. You know, it was like it was separate. The, the ARL weren't really involved. There was a separate organisation, and, and and then I think the same thing happened with wheelchair. You know, that the, the French and here embraced it much more quickly than the, the Australians did, and they're, they're slow to change. You know, as you mentioned, wheelchair, Kyle Moore who is one of the top broadcasters of this alongside... Mark Wells never heard of him. But <laughs> tell the people who've never seen it, it's bloody amazing, isn't it? Yeah, it's, it really is. And I think the best part about it is if you get to go to a game and you get to watch it live, you come away with it with a bit more appreciation as well because you hear the, you hear the noise, you hear the chat, you, you, you hear the collisions... Uh, it's incredible, but I just think for me, you know, the, the reason I like it the most, it might sound a bit cheesy, this, but it's true, you know. I, I just think that, you know, I've got children of my own as well, and if you, if, I just think if you were, if you were a kid that, that was, you know, that was born with a with a disability or, or something happened in your life where where you couldn't then participate in sport, I know how much it gives me and my children, you know, the the the, the gains that the gains that come off being involved in sport. And, for some of these kids, they would have never have had that. They'd have to just sit in the in a chair, or, or or if they weren't able to join in or whatever, and they've had to sit and watch, you know, siblings or or, or friends play sport and, and get all that, and just watch from a distance, wondering what it would be like. Well, now through the you know the the, the the terrific work that the guys have been doing behind the scenes to get it on BBC and Sky, these these guys now can go on and and and, and be their heroes, can't they? You, you know, they can and. They wear the same shirt as the England players. They, they wear the same shirt as the Rhinos or, or the Wigan Warriors or, or Halifax or whoever. And they're able to go and, and, and sort of be someone, you know, rather than, you know, perhaps whether you just had to just watch. And I think it's incredibly powerful as well. I think, I think the fact that it's the most inclusive and diverse game on the planet, you know, is, is something else that we should celebrate as well. The, you know, you've got so many terrific stories in there. You know, the, 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 the guy who's... Uh, Phil Roberts, he's a coach of Wigan Warriors. He coached his his son and their team right from when they were kids from his wheelchair, and he'd never be able to play with him ever. But he can now, you know. And and and, and that's something that them that them two have. There's a guy called Jack Brown. I've never I've never I've yet to see this guy play, but I've heard so much about him. And he came over actually just to sort of paint a picture. There was uh, the Rhinos against Halifax in that grand final was decided by. Four points, I think it was really close again, wasn't it? And that's the fourth time they'd met. But the three earlier times, the other, sorry, the, the three previous times, twice it came down to within a try. But when this Jack Brown came over while he was training for England and played, they won by 30 points. So he really is that good, and I can't wait to see him really. Someone who could be that impactful on a game, and I've heard so much about him. But his story was his brother, I'm led to believe, was born with a disability right from when he was. But, well, right, right from when he was born, and uh, and so his brother got in a chair and made sure that every time they were doing things, they were doing it together in the chair, and he's he almost mastered that through those sort of, you know, through those those skills that he picked up as a kid to become the best player in the world. But he did that out of love for his brother to make sure. That, yeah, I just think the stories like that. There's a father incredible. and son in the Australian team. Yeah, yeah. The father and son, and the father had an accident, and um, the son played able-bodied rugby league, and. Um, father convinced him to come and play wheelchair and they, 
if we're going to play together at the World Cup. Yeah, you know, two of the best players in the world, uh, Nico and uh, Gilles Corsel, two French guys, uncle and nephew. Same thing. One of them had an accident, and now they're able to play together. And you know, I think Gilles about, you know, I think he's older than God's dog, but he's still playing. You know, <laughs> he's. Uh, and again, it doesn't discriminate against there. You know, we get to the you know in the running game where you get to an age and you, your time's up. It's a meat market. But in the wheelchair game, you get to you get to play for so much longer. And I, I just think it's I think it's something we should all celebrate. And I think it it caters for that many different people that you know the power of sports there to be seen in, in bucket loads. And I think that's something that we have to and must celebrate. The regular listeners know I've said this before, but. When people see it for the first time on BBC Two during this World Cup, I think it's really going to be take off massively because it's something that people they won't know what to expect. But and it, when they see it, they'll just go, "What the hell is going on here?" Well, for, for people maybe listening now, you know, apart from the odd little rule, little rule, ninety-eight percent of it is rugby league. It's just in a wheelchair, you know, and and and, and because of the size of the court. Pitch. Pitch. I don't I don't need to get in trouble by sorry, the pitch, sorry, yeah. the pitch. Sorry, you might be watching. Because of the size of the pitch, it's end to end. It's non stop. And when you when you get to call it, it's so much easier than calling, you know, <laughs> a, 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 a men or a women's game. Because it's just end to end. There's normally a like fifteen tries scored in a game, so there's never a dull moment in there. It's brilliant. Are you, are you going to transition them from, from the running game to the wheelchair? <laughs> I'm too busy at the minute. No, <laughs> I've not got time for that. But uh, no, I was talking to Jamie Jones Buchanan about it, and uh, we, we I think we covered an international game mid uh, mid season with England and France in the wheelchair game, and, and he was he was joking alongside with uh, with uh, Joe Simpson and, and, and saying that he was going to come and win the grand final for the Rhinos, so you could win, win grand finals with, with running game and wheelchair. So. Uh, yeah, but no, brilliant, brilliant, brilliant stuff. I think we might win that World Cup as well, which is excellent. Got to be the French, the French in the final. Uh, what time are we on? Ten past seven. Um, who's going to win the men's World Cup? Kyle Emma. Great question. Great question. <laughs> oh, it, it's hard now, isn't it? Cause it's all been blown wide open, yeah. isn't it? You know, you're, you're well, even, even when the key watch... question is how your opinion on that has changed. Well, since, since, you know. I, I was, I was, kind of, <laughs> I was, I was leaning towards, you know, Australia with Tonga as perhaps a, a dark, you know, an outside chance. There, those were the two that I was sort of looking at. Um, but obviously, the way Tonga performed the other night, you know, I think Papua New Guinea could perhaps, you know, if if, the, if England weren't. Right on the night, you know, there's no, there's enough evidence there to be shown that they can pick and pull people apart, you know, and uh, yeah. But I just thought the way England performed, and I just think the backing of a whole nation. Um, yeah, I'm gonna, I'm, I'm gonna stick my neck on the line and think England are gonna, they're gonna get it done. I'm not gonna ask Stephen Phil because I've asked them uh, how many panels now, Phil. Oh, so I think you've asked me that question. Oh, no, I'll yeah. ask you in a minute. I'll yeah. ask Mike first. Uh, <laughs> I have a feeling. I mean, I know Australia are technically weakened by. Mm. Players who've lost, but then when they come in '82 and they had all these unknowns and they turned out to be invincible, <laughs> I just have that feeling about them once they click. And the only unfortunate bit for me is where are we going to play them in the final? That's that's me one beef about the World Cup that when, when we've got to get to the final to play them, and, or they've got to get the final play us because uh, in the past they've always. Diddle the draw, so we play him in the group stage. So at least we more diddling. <laughs> at least could we get into play. Harry could not have fixed the draw. That would have been terrible. No, but I, I just think. I mean, and, and this is what's good about the World Cup. Isn't it? We're going to see Tedesco and, and Kiri, and you know, you know, these sort of players. 
on on our soil, playing against our guys, and you know I, that's why I hope we do get to the final and, and play them. And I do want to play Australia in the final, you know, because I want to see them in this World Cup. <laughs> but that's well, also, if, you're to, if you're going to win it, you know, if you beat Australia in the final, well, that's just the mm. cherry on top of the cake, isn't it? That you know, there's no. There'd be no qualms about anything then, would there? You know, it'd be, it'd be a, what a way to win it. But it would be brilliant if we won it, though. I'm not being for 50 years. You know, it's, mm-hmm. I was looking at that team from 72 and that. There's a couple of St. Helens lads in there and whatnot, or future St. Helens players in there. But it seems like an absolute lifetime ago, doesn't it? But so, it's also why we need to have an international calendar so that we know when nations are playing each other next. Because what, what would be great is if we knew there was a Kangaroos tour coming over here next year, and the first test was being played in Newcastle. So it's all very well having the magic weekend, and it's it's a dying concept. So it, yeah, they had to get the fixtures out and tickets on sale. But if we knew that those people coming out of that ground that we were told today, fifty five percent of the people at Newcastle were from the northeast. Yeah. Um, if that's right, and there's no reason to think that it isn't, if you could then say to them, come back in a year's time and watch us play Australia. Even if we only play them once in this tournament, the appetite yeah. will be massive. We need the Ashes series back set in stone. Because it was one Greece thing to that be we playing, and we yeah. need Jamaica to be yeah. playing. And we need to know that before this. You know, we need to know where the 2029 World Cup's going to be. I know, but the Ashes was something that we had that rubbed union in town. It was something that was wasn't cricket shirt that was that real value mm. to. And you knew when we won the Ashes, like you know, it was one of them things. And we just give it away. You know, I know it should be played during during call. Gave away the. The term Lions too, like mm. rugby union had to, mm. they had to license it back to rugby league in yeah. 2019, so they didn't copyright it, you know. But but actually, one thing that that um, sort of suggests to me, Phil, is also that England team could be used to market rugby league in other parts of the country the Absolutely. way the club game yeah. can't. And when I say market, I don't mean just sell sell a jersey people watch on TV. But if you could you could send England back into cities over and over again. I mean, the first Kangaroos played their tests. Um, in um, Newcastle, St James's Park, in 1908. They played in Birmingham and they played in London. That's where the three mm-hmm. tests were in 1908. So when you say rugby league well, has failed to expand, it's actually shrunk. <laughs> you know, the old goals were in Cheltenham. You know, the, yeah. the original test series was decided in Cheltenham. In Cheltenham, yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, the other thing about um, Ireland, which I think we haven't spoken enough about because there's so many things to talk about. Got somebody here who knows what it means to, to play for Ireland. If, if Ireland as they currently are set up, played England in a test match in Dublin, that would get 10,000 people. I'm sure yeah. it would. Yeah, yeah they get so good publicity. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, you'd think so, wouldn't you? And, and I know they are doing, they're, they're developing their own leagues out in Ireland now, aren't they? Which is, which is good. Uh, the challenge is, though, isn't it, is, is how many of them realistically fit into an elitist world competition. You know, that, and... and and the longer that they can keep doing good work like that out there, then the, the, then the better, really. But you know, I, I do think it's time that you know that a game of rugby league was took over to Dublin. A big game, I mean, you mm-hmm. know, it's only over the water. It's no different to it's, going it's to. It's cheaper and easier to get Catalan, to, isn't it? You're driving right. down the M62. You know, <laughs> I just think, oh, you know, even if England was to play, well, mind you, I don't know if it would sell England France in Dublin. I don't know. But, <laughs> but know. England, Ireland, you've got... And well, if they, England, this Ireland yeah, team yeah. that's well, currently playing... Well, again, they've, they've, they've... It's watchable. They've gone with a younger side, but a younger side that's already well-established in Super League. And the stuff they played at the weekend, you know, granted it was, you know, Jamaica, and, they, you know, a bit inexperienced and, and whatnot. 
there'll be a cracking game that will this weekend, mm. Highland Lebanon. That's a real good game, you know. It's a shootout for second place, but potentially a quarter final against Australia. Carl, what so, was the what was the story with you and Ireland for this World Cup? Was there discussions? Oh yeah, yeah. No, look, I was going into uh, I I got uh, offered a job in teaching. I've, I've started that, so I had to uh, I had to look ahead and, and 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 ring the coach and ask him, look, am I you know am I going to be able to play in a World Cup? You know, and he he couldn't give me that answer yet because he had to announce a forty man squad and then go down to twenty four and. And I, I, I just couldn't wait. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I, I couldn't. I had a job lined up that that was me transitioning off the field into something else. And uh, you know, look, while it would have been great to be a part of it, I have to be sensible and think about you know my, my wife and children. Like so, I had to uh, I had to just take that that job opportunity there. And, and, I, and I'm glad I did that now as well. So. Uh, yeah. So who's going to win the World Cup? Before the weekend, I would have said New Zealand, and now. Now I would say maybe Australia by an extra time drop goal over <laughs> over England. I don't know. Um, the key, I mean, Joey, if Joey Manu had not, there's nothing wrong with the Kiwi side or whatever. But if Joey Manu hadn't played, it would have been a lot tighter the, uh, the other night. Um, particularly if Adam, uh, as he wants to be called, Dwayne wasn't sent off. So so, and I thought the Aussies just looked like they had something in reserve. Like Harry Grant looked great off the bench. I thought England were fantastic, and I like and and I, England are definitely the form side of the tournament so far. There's no doubt about that. But I see a lot of improvement in the Aussie side. Yeah. You know, the only the only thing with England is I hope they haven't played their ace card straight away. Mm. That's the only thing. Are they able to replicate? Because God, they were good, weren't they? Mm. You know, in terms of they were picking off short, and all the tries were were a real mix. You know, Wellsby. Uh, Williams were, were sensational. Callum Watkins, how good did he look as well? It was great to see him back in that form. I thought Sam Tompkins as well, that gave him the fact that how well Jack and jo- uh, George were playing, it almost freed him up to do you know stuff that we all know he can do as well. I just thought, I thought they were brilliant, but I, I, I do, uh, you know, they're going into France and Greece and dropping in intensity, isn't it? You know, compared to that, that atmosphere and that expectation on them. Um, and look, I've no doubt they'll, they'll get up for a huge game again, but it's very difficult to, you know, jump from one end of the, the scale to the other. It's had this, like we talked, I think, the other day about aura and stuff and the way the Aussies always used to, in that test series at the start of the century when they won every game in the last, you know, whether they still have that, you know, it can't last forever, that magic can't last forever. So this could be the tournament where, where their luck runs out, you know, if it's tight. They're not ranked fourth for nothing, <laughs> back, back in Australia, are they really stung by the fact that people have chose not to play for Australia this, this time? Does that really no, at all? No, mind? this is a really interesting subject. I don't think we've got time to go into. But the Australian team is kind of like it, 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 it lacks a certain identity at home. People don't go. If there's very few people you meet who go, who do, who's your favourite team? The Australian rugby league team. It's like. It's it's just everyone they follow their club they follow New South Wales or Queensland and then in international sport they follow the Wallabies or the Socceroos or the Boomers and then so the Australian rugby league team is kind of like um, who's left you know what I mean and the play that that kind of rubs off on the players <coughs> who who have different backgrounds and eligible for different countries that there's that there's no kind of as there used to be when we used to watch sit up late at night and watch Rex Mossop and Barry Ross call Kangaroo tours. That isn't there now because the, um, they don't play mm. for commercial reasons. So the kids are going, um, 
The kids lack that kind of um, um, uh, that that instinct to. I always wanted to play for Australia. If they're eligible for um, Samoa or or or, um, or Tonga, Papua New Guinea, whatever, and they can make their parents proud. International rugby league means more to immigrant communities in Australia than it means to people who are Anglo-Saxons. It actually international rugby league means a lot more to immigrant communities than it, than it means to Anglo-Saxons. The Australian team has a kind of vanilla visage to it. It's kind of like, yeah, it's always been there and it's, yeah, you know what I mean? It's, 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 and, and that's because they don't play. They've kind of made a rod for their own backs a little bit. So, so it doesn't really, it stings a certain conservative, middle-aged white male who says that they're Australian and they should play for Australia. Or if you, you can't play for Queensland and another country, how can you be both? Well, we live in a different world now where people's sense of identity... We, we used to be... Um, I used to say, we used to, our identity used to be mono. We used to consider ourselves to be one thing. And people today don't. They consider themselves to be many uh, different things. So it annoys a certain demographic in answer to your question, Mike. Most of them are on Fox. Uh, <laughs> so, the, yeah. same people, the same people who don't like Victor Rudley, that kind of thing. Yeah, uh, yeah, they, they like the fact he did that. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. See what you did there. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, yeah. So I don't know how. If you, the great question to ask Mal Meninga is how you, you know, you're culturally sensitive and you're new age and you, you, you're cognizant of all these new pressures, but you still try to restore the prestige of the of the team and, and try to make it something that more aspire to. You know what I mean? I don't know how you do that, but that's Mal's, that's Mal's assignment. I think I'm more scared of Amy Hardcastle than Marmeninga, <laughs> so I might, I might ask him next time I get a chance. Um, who's doing the Men's World Cup thing? Before I ask a reading from a more important question. I think I was like Kyle from the opener. I was like, mm, is it going to be Is it going to be small or is it going to be... I didn't really... I couldn't really put it, but actually watching the lads play, I think... It's been five years for England, that build-up last year when you got that call to say the World Cup's cancelled and and from a woman's point of view that all the girls have got it, so I, I imagine the guys were too, but I think it's a home World Cup, you've got the fans, you've got everyone behind you. I think I've seen a lot on social media about, a lot on Twitter about actually let's back the lads now and people written them off, so for me I, I will... I will back the lads to, to win the World Cup. Is anyone off to Bolton on... Well, you might be going to uh, another game this week. I mean, are, are you going, anyone going to Bolton on Saturday? One person. Will you be booing Sam Tompkins when they read his name out like they did in Newcastle? <laughs> That's okay. The question I was going to ask you, Faye, because you're a halfback and you speak well and you've been on the radio and the telly and stuff. Why is playing so many props on telly? He's on telly. <laughs> Danica's on telly. Barry and Tez, they're props. You were kicked out of the props union for speaking what well. On? I, th- I thought props didn't have brains. What, what, what's it all about? Well, I don't know. Well, to be fair, when you interview, when players get interviewed after a game, I always think, oh gosh, I don't know how they're going to speak. Sometimes when your adrenaline's everywhere, but then sometimes I listen to interviews, I laugh with Mark Percival all the time. I know Mark quite well, and he's like, I hate it when I get chosen to do an interview, and I'm like, yeah, I'm not surprised. But no, yeah, it's good to to see all a range of different positions. Is not on TV. Uh, I think Kyle's. <laughs> really done a lot for, for the women's sport this year especially we've been on well BBC was pretty mega wasn't it for the Challenge Cup fi- final and then 
getting Sky for the grand final and a lot of stuff covered by our league and stuff with the RFL. So I think he's really spoke well for the girls and, and it takes a lot of work to research it, especially when a lot of the club's websites aren't up to date and the stats aren't there. It's really hard. You sit and scroll through Twitter for hours to look at who actually scored in that game. So, yeah, I know the girls at, at Saints absolutely love it when he's on and he speaks really good for Saints girls. Anyway, we, we look quite good when, when he's on. But, yeah, no, like... <laughs> Honestly, the girls thank you quite a lot because the women's game, we, there's not many people who knew quite a lot about him, so I know him, like Sharon as well and Dave Woods, they, they've done a lot for the women's game to, to help it grow. So why with all these props, it's Louis McCarthy's cars, but not part of ah, the That was going to be my last yeah. question. Well, he, he can't. Swear to him. two sentences. <laughs> <laughs> well, he can. It's just you've got to have a point. No, 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 believe me, he can't. No, he's... Look, do you think he's more about deliberately after he's in the magazine? No, no, honestly, look, I've, I've been around when I've... He's been around my house when my wife's grandma's down. He doesn't care, do you know what I mean? It's not that he doesn't care, it's just that's who he is. You know, you meet his mum and dad. Correct. They're, you know, they're the same, aren't they? You know, so it's just, you know... But he is, honestly, hands down... He's in, you know, the top, the top three blokes that I've ever, that I've ever been, been around. You know, in the game, he's, he's that, he's, he's that good of a bloke. Like, you know, he's, he really is. Fine. I couldn't speak highly enough of Big Louie. No, you, you can't speak lowly enough of him because <laughs> the people need to know the truth. No, no. Well, Dave, you know him as well, don't you? So, yeah, yeah. yeah he's been a columnist right since the very beginning in our magazine. Was he? Mm. How many swear words do you edit out? That's all he gives me. Does he type swear words? No. He won't type it. His wife would type. No, neither. I ring him. I ring him and then take out everything yeah. that we can't say. Right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Sounds about right. Uh, as we are, what seven twenty-five? Right? These things fly by. Should, should we ask the audience? I mean, tonight's question time will be a belter, won't it? I mean, everyone's going to tune into that. Chaos everywhere. Um, so, a, any questions from the audience? Go on. Go on. Um, it's quite tough, really. Obviously, she's been in the setup since the 2017. Uh, 20, yes. When did the last World Cup? 2017. 2017. <laughs> yeah, so she came into the 2017 World Cup. She was brought in, um, drafted quite late. Someone got dropped out, and she come in. She's been in the setup since, and there's there's no there's nothing there's not a fallout. There's nothing like that. She just unfortunately wasn't selected. I think the the other props selected. <sighs> They've shown a bit more in the strengths than Shani. Not in my opinion. In my opinion, I'd have Shani in a World Cup squad. She, she's an 80-minute middle and she defends like a trooper. I was saying before, wasn't I? Like I personally think they'll miss someone ag- aggressive like her. She's quite a heart at St. Helens and she's a good character to be around. And and it's it's been difficult for her. It's It's been quite sad for her. She's really struggled. And I think, for me, I just think... England could have done better with, with how they handled it. And, and afterwards, like... We, we talk about mental health a lot in rugby league. We have rugby league curse, state of mind. We, we talk about it from a Saints point of view. The chaplain at Saints in, in Suze is phenomenal and she's checked in with Shani quite a lot. But from an England point of view, since she got the phone call to say she wasn't selected, she's not been, been spoken to since. And I just think we've got to do better for our girls. And there's quite a few Saints girls who missed out. I think there was three, potentially four. Um, but we've just got to do better with all the girls who weren't selected and, and checking on them and... Do you know what? She's she's still out training three nights, four nights a week. She rings to go for a run with me, and she's still training. In a way, not hoping someone drops out, but if there's an injury, hoping that she'd be the first one to be called. And it's been tough for her. Um, she's looking forward to obviously the next season starting, and and she will aim for that next World Cup. But just unfortunately, wasn't selected. And I guess some people 
not everyone can be selected, can they? There can only be that 24 um, player squad. But yeah, there's. But yeah, a... I think it just shows though where the game's got to, right? Because yeah. you know we've now got quality players who can't make the squad, and I think mm. that's something we have to yeah. celebrate. While it is unfortunate for Shani, don't get me wrong. Yeah. You know they've got a job to go into this World Cup in who they believe is the best yeah, is the absolutely. best to win a World Cup. So. You know, as cutthroat as it is, well, this is where you know mm. the, if the game is going to progress as it should, and more and more teams and more players come through, sport is ruthless, and yeah, it, it is. is. And a part of that is being able to handle the the, the, the disappointment and the setbacks, and 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 you know, it's uh, it's unfortunate for Shani, but you, she should use that. My advice would be use that yeah. to come back stronger and show up next time round that you know yeah. it's uh, but. You know, it is that's just sport for you. It's, yeah. it's tough at times. It was. It, there, but there was no fallout, nothing like that. She just, she just wasn't selected. And I'm sure if you bump into her or head down to a Saints game, she, she'll tell you the same. But yeah, she has used it a bit of motivation. She, she's playing in the Knights game. The Knights are playing Cook Islands in a warm-up game next week. So she had a call to, to go and play in that. And as an experienced player coming. I guess I don't ever see the Knights as a step down me. I think you, you represent England, don't you, regardless if you're playing in the Knights or, or the women. So she's took that opportunity and she's going to feature for the Knights next week. But, yeah, she's used it a bit of... It's hard and it's hard to take for the first, I think, six days. She was probably uncontactable. Un you couldn't, couldn't get hold of her. But now I think she's turned it on its head and she's gone, actually, I am going to feature for the Knights. And, and maybe show them what they've missed out on and then head back with Saints next year and hopefully get that next World Cup selection. Yes. I was going to ask a question about wheelchair and rugby league and Saints, because Saints as a top super league side are conspicuously absent from wheelchair rugby, and I was, I was wondering, rugby league, I should say, I was wondering whether there are any plans around some talented the former teams or... I can ask though. I mean, first question on Monday. <laughs> no, honestly, I will because th there are sort of holes. I mean, you look at some some clubs who are strong in other aspects of the game. I mean, Warrington are very good at other aspects of the game that we're not. Uh, but yeah, no, I'll, I'll certainly ask a question. Because I, I heard um, Evan McManus's uh, interview on uh, BBC podcast the other day. And he was talking about the World Cup and he kept talking about the men's and the women's game. But I think he referred to the wheelchair game as the disabled rugby league. <laughs> and I, he, he just didn't, I don't know whether there's a lack of interest there or not, but it was conspicuous the way that he didn't sort of mention it. I think, I think it's interesting with these IMG proposals, which you could spend an hour and a half talking about, but we do need a bit more of the detail filled in about what constitutes a category and think that'll be the next thing that they release but the indication is that one of them is you've got to be a whole club so you've got to have a first team men and a first team women and a PDRL and an LDRL and a wheelchair and a foundation that gets out to the community and a front office that's more than two people and I think it will even though Saints will clearly get whatever a category A is there are, there are areas within what will be determined as their bid that would be lacking and I think even those teams will be dragged to to have that kind of part of their club to maintain their category A status mm -hmm. so I think it, it will come I think it will have to come in some respects it's how you do it so the, so the Wigan team was the Leyland side of the year before it was almost a bit like Thato Heath yeah. in effect became the Saints women I'm not sure there is a wheelchair team at the moment around here but you look at Sheffield, for example, who are trying to, again, 
get a higher B grading than perhaps they would get if they were given it today. I've gone really big on women's and wheelchair, and they might not be winning any games at the moment, but they're starting literally from scratch, pulling people in, um, getting a few... There's, there's been a couple of players down there from Leeds to Wakefield there looking to start a wheelchair team. I think it's just, have you got the community foundation that can go out there and do it? And if you have, it doesn't take a lot to put that under the brand. I think Wigan did a, a PR thing, the, the, it might have been at Christmas last year, I know, I know Leeds have done it, where you get all sectors of the club in a big photograph or training together for a day down at Robin Park, and suddenly you're a lot bigger than you were when you add the sum of the parts, the whole is bigger. I'd be very surprised if Saints didn't go down that road, particularly on the back of a World Cup, and that's World Cup legacy, isn't it? The thing is, it comes down to cost as well. You know, this this team's got a, you know, that's the elephant in the room. You know, well it does, but I mean, I can but, I talk. No, I, from... I, I, I completely agree with you. We will get to a stage where these clubs will have them, but right now, I think while the option is not to run them, if there's not the, if there's not one, if there's not the players there then they ain't going to go spending money in that. And I think Faye touched on it a little bit earlier. Um, even within the women's game now, there's an awful lot of clubs who really back their women's team. Yeah. And there's clubs that perceive to back their women's team, but don't actually really back the women's team. But I think that will change as a result of this World Cup and the proposals. I think the thing about wheelchair is that that's why you do it through your charitable foundation, because mm. the cost is negligible. It starts mm. at a community level, and all you've really got to finance are the chairs. Those chairs, there are sponsors out there at the moment looking... Take right the pot, then. The top ones are, mm. but not the ones that you would start off. Mm. And, but there are sponsorships out there from legal and financial firms who don't normally invest in rugby league, but want to be part of their corporate social responsibility that will say, tell me what your wheelchair team need. If it's five grand for a set of chairs, we'd rather have our name associated with that than be a ball sponsor for your men's running team. So I think the money... I I think Steve's written about it before. That's how you you change the perception of your sport. You go out with the women's and the wheelchair as as your low-hanging fruit, and then if you can drag somebody into the men's running game, that's fine. Uh, but I think wheelchair on the back of the World Cup and people seeing it on BBC Two and the stories that you'll be telling about the yeah, players yeah, that yeah. are playing it, exponentially that can that can be probably the quickest growth area yeah. along with the women's game. Yeah. So I think I'd be very surprised if Saints don't see the value of it. I hope Leeds didn't trust me in a ten thousand pound chair. No, you didn't go anywhere near a ten thousand pound chair. Any more? Yes. Yeah, on the back of the the exposure we're getting now with the World Cup. The ball games. Do you think that it will be able to exploit the broadcasters more for a, a celestial offer uh, for Super League? Well, I don't know because right now it's you know it's, it's Sky do an awful lot for the game, don't they? They're the ones who put put the money in, and uh, at the minute, and only Channel Four pay anything, do they, towards the game? So you know those that that, that lack. The drop in the TV deal last time round has led for scope for these games to be picked up by the likes of Channel 4. So, obviously, within the TV deal, there's got to be conversations had in and around that because I think Channel 4, I think we can all agree, has been quite a good success and I think a lot of fans have enjoyed it. But it's, it's whether Channel 4 want to pay for it for a start, you know, it, it, they might not. Um, so, yeah, it'll be interesting to see, but um, in terms of Getting broadcasting rights, well, obviously, you know, Sky still is the the main power, and that's something that we have to recognise and still applaud them for. As I said, if, we, if you talked earlier about 
we're all chasing the same talent. The field's not big enough, is it? We know the field's not big enough for kids coming, for kids coming through. And some great stuff going on in the community clubs in there, what we do with that sort of with the girls game. Yeah. That's all fantastic. But it's not replicated or whatever it is, it's not replicated with fighting the Heartlands. Uh, and the only way I see that changing is if you've got that national exposure constantly being drip but that's where sort of World Cup comes in in terms of international rugby league can reach parts that club game can't. But it's then converting that into interest as the year goes on. And you're right in a way in the sense that if it triggers <coughs> interest, other broadcasters might want to compete with Sky. Because at the minute, if nobody's competing with Sky, they can just write a figure down on a piece of paper and say that's what you're getting. Because they're not gonna they're not gonna give us money. They're not gonna they give us enough to function. You know, they give us a, they still give us enough to function. They give us the, if they weren't on the table, nobody else would be at the minute, would they? That's IMG's IMG's job is to hopefully they're smart enough to you know leverage any extra opportunities that are created by the World Cup. And I know IMG have people going to World Cup games and going into the offices of the World Cup and um, working pretty pretty closely with them. So it's IMG's job. Really? I think there are other broadcast outlets out there as well. I don't think you're going to get a huge sum of money from, from one broadcaster anymore. I think you do have to spread yourself a little bit thinner and, and pick up where you can. So Amazon Prime, for example, is always on the lookout for content. What we need to do on the back of a successful World Cup, an amazing grand final, whatever it might be, is entice other broadcasters. That's where IMG have their contacts. So I think you can see a time where Sky still principally pick the two best games every weekend, but we get to the point where, well, that leaves four. What do we do with those? Um, and one goes to maybe a Channel 4 and, and the production costs are paid. Um, I thought they were brilliant this year, but they had ten games. And because they had two or three at the beginning of the season and two or three at the end of the season, there wasn't continuity in the middle, so you couldn't tell that story. It was very difficult to sort of engage with fans around exactly. when the timing of the next one was, yes. because it, was, it could have been the middle of July and then it would be the end of August, so six weeks between them all. So they need a magazine programme, yeah. which again, you know, who pays for that? And does that run complementary with the Super League show on the BBC? Is it something a little bit different? Because... Channel 4 will do it differently, which I think IMG will, will, will look at. But I do think there are other broadcast outlets out there. I think our league has been transformed into a World Cup um, viewing platform whereby, um, obviously, if you're in an overseas area, that's your app. Um, they need to amortise it. We, we may not want to pay another subscription to something, but if you were able to pay a, a £10 a, a month season ticket to our league and there was always a Super League game on there, might not be the, the first pick, it might not be the team you support, but if you felt, well, I'm prepared to pay 100 quid like NRL.com and I'm always going to see top quality games, that's how I think you make money. Um, but yeah, it, it's, you're right, it's two things it's participation and it's how you get that greater spread. Participation, again, will take us a whole programme, but LMS is the classic example. There, there will be a lot more of him out there that we don't know about. His background is amazing. You know, he was a goalkeeper until he was 16. And then a, a local community team, persuade, or a friend of his, took him along to what was Greenwich Admirals. And he found Rugby League, and he loved Rugby League, and he went into the cold system at, at London. And they had to send him out to Hull for a year to get an education. And then he came back and 
Look at him now, you know, he's, he's had, what, 13 years here at Saints? He took me down to St Helens Town to watch him two weeks ago, so I think he's on about going back to being a goalkeeper. <laughs> yeah, I think they've asked him to play. They sent him to hold for an education. <laughs> a, a rugby, yeah, how well, to eat fish and chips in a rugby league. Are we going to hold on this tour? By the way, Barrow just put up Barrow budgies. That's what I was showing. Oh, really? All the clubs are taking the mick oh, now. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> Featherstone <laughs> Flamingo. Yeah, so, <laughs> someone's, someone's asked where the live feed is and they think we've been eaten by leopards. <laughs> <laughs> uh, any, any final questions? Yes. Yeah, um, I was just thinking, um, <coughs> on social media, there's been a bit of a discussion around what obviously the World Club Challenge. What sort of appetite in Australia is that? Because apparently... <laughs> no, well, it won't be on next year because of the demand on players. So the, the RLPA won't—they won't do it next year because of the World Cup. There's no, it won't happen. But um, the, the problem with the World Club Challenge is basic—it's got to the point now where it's almost like you're bringing in it's almost like you, you're um, you're bringing NFL players or, or in, Major League Baseballers here. You've got to pay all the money guarantees. There's no prize money left because all the Aussie clubs demand money, and they won't pay you to go out there at all. So, so it's it's almost like a kind of uh, a speaking engagement for for, uh, for for fifty fifty people to come over from Sydney. So, um, um, I, 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 it needs to be it needs to be sold to. I think it needs to go to like a neutral. It needs to go to the Middle East, or you talked about Dublin. It needs to be sold as a property. Uh, into a, into a territory, like Dubai, Dubai yeah. yeah. Army, but be? the problem is that the NRL, the NRL don't. It's not compulsory. The NRL don't make it compulsory to play in, and it's controlled by the competing clubs. And and you don't know who the competing clubs are till the second week of October every year. So there's no time to do it. So it needs to be taken over uh, by the uh, IRL or in or or someone who actually an entrepreneur who deals with Super League. And the NRL, and they sell it to a venue where it doesn't matter who's in it. You, it's already sold when you know who's in it. Yeah. Now that that's the only way it's go, it's going to have a future and be properly leveraged. But again, you've got TV deals where the, the broadcasters in Australia and Sky. This is the, what is the, what makes money for sport now. TV it doesn't matter if people are in the ground. It's TV. Well, it's already included. As soon as the, as soon as they cross the sideline, both teams, the game is free. To, to uh, Channel 9 or Fox and Sky. It's included in every deal. So it can't be sold. Your biggest uh, money-making aspect of any sports event is cut off. You can't sell it to TV. So, well, what they have to do is extricate it from the current from the deals. And is there actually any enthusiasm in Australia? You've got to tap people on the shoulder a thousand times. Remember the World Club Challenge? Can you t- leave it out of the next TV deal? Every TV deal in Australia goes for five years. So... As I said, if you can't sell the TV rights to a sports event, how do you put it in the calendar and who's, who's got the incentive to work on it and, and, and put hours into it when you can't make any money out of it? Do you not think now that the NRL have gone into it? Because they just seem to be like, it's the age terminology games, it's the NRL games, but they don't care about international games. Well, they don't own it and they're, they're voracious commercially. You know, like um, so, so uh, you know, Peter Volandis and, and, and Andrew Abdo are very, very commercially savvy and and voracious, and basically, it, the international game is a property they don't own. So, people were arguing with me with the Denver test that that, that using NRL players was using their IP, and, and 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 how can how can an independent promoter be given our IP and we get no 
know nothing back of it. So they consider the players to be their IP the same way the NFL consider the players to be their IP. Well, um, I went to games like I've been to Wembley mm. against Australia, I've been to Leeds, <coughs> I've been to Old Trafford, and they were all big games. But the money went to the RFL, then it split with the uh, split with the, the touring team, uh, and I guess at those times also maybe the players weren't even full time professionals. So they they want to own they want to own everything, and they don't want leakage. They don't want their property leaking so that other commercial entities make money off them. They want to make every cent off their players and their clubs. And if the players come over here and play at, play at St Helens, like, for instance, St Helens weren't allowed to make any merchandise because they said all the NRL um, logos are copyright. So, so St Helens couldn't actually put a Roosters logo on anything. They're, they're com- they're, they are commercially voracious, and they don't want any leakage. So well, well, they, well, you've seen how often Australia have played recently. So, so I think they, I think they will. I think they, they, they now Peter Volandi is joining the IRL board, right? He's joining the IRL board. So all these things won't be um, um, relayed by a middleman. He'll be there to say what they want and what they want out of it, and 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 it's up to the other countries whether they agree to his demands and or what he wants or not. But. Um, but yeah, um, it's um, it's a different world now. It's it's about money, you know. It's about money, and they're the they're the biggest kind of show, you know, at the moment. So we have voraciously run out of time. Yeah, I don't know what the word means, but yeah. and, and Steve needs to flop, flop some books and hats. Yeah. Uh, Kyle, Mike, Steve, Faith, thank you very much for your time thank this you, evening. Yeah. Thank you all for coming as well. We're going to do the drawing in a minute for the tickets for the uh, World Cup game on Sunday. I think it is Sunday week. Sunday week. So we'll do that in a moment. Thank you very much for your time. Thanks for coming. And uh, enjoy the rest of the World Cup. Thank you.